All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. Well, money was tight. I mean, this is where this complex comes from. I'm from a single parent family and I was always very aware of the fact that we didn't have money. And so all of this stuff is there in the back of my mind that you, you need to be holding on to money and money wasn't really something we spoke about, but I definitely knew that we didn't have it. You know, we, if you then, if you go, okay, inheritance, I'm sure I'm going to get some inheritance, but you don't learn anything about investing, your children will have nothing to inherit. So you're just going to pass it further down the line. Because I had a conversation with a friend, I think it was last week, and they, they got a raise at work. So they, I think they got 3% raise, which they were really happy about, which they, they should be. But really, if you look at inflation, I just Googled it before we started recording. So Canada right now is 4.3%. So they're actually not a raise. Actually, they're losing money. When you look at job mindset that way, it's actually not a raise at all. They're actually taking money away from you. It's that. Like, you you have to. You, that's They're the only two ways past inflation is invest and earn more. If you could have a billboard anywhere in the world that could say anything, what would it say? Make your money work harder than you are. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Talking Time podcast. To those of you who are new, each episode of our podcast is devoted to bringing the most recent, most innovative, and most insightful research applications into teacher education, language teaching, and language education. And if you are also new to our Learn Your English community, I have to tell you more about our new Teacher Accelerator program which is our online program for teachers all around the world who want to eliminate lesson planning, reach and help more students, teach less, earn more money without, of course, sacrificing work-life balance. Our programs help teachers reflect and develop in the most important skills they need to succeed in the information age. And it's just like your teaching isn't for everyone. Our program isn't for everyone. It's for someone. The program has four pillars of successful design. We have a community, we have live sessions, we have self-paced learning, and more importantly, we have lots, lots of feedback. Does this sound like you? Are you a teacher who wants to implement dogme and task-based learning in your teaching? Do you want to eliminate lesson planning? Do you want to help more students, but also work less? Do you want to transition from selling your time, teaching one-to-one, to actually focusing on outcomes and selling results? Do you want to be a business owner and not an employee? And more importantly, do you want to build and scale your teaching business? If this sounds like you, then you have a great opportunity here. Just head over to our website, learnyourenglish.net slash schedule and book a meeting with us. We would love to have a conversation about your current situation and whether we can help you with any of these things. We are very happy to welcome Nicola Prentice to the show for this episode of Teacher Talking Time. Nicola is the founder of The Chilled Investor where she helps teachers get started making their money work harder than they do. 
Nicola's been in ELT for more than 20 years, first teaching and then as a materials writer. She has two award-winning graded readers, a speaking skills book for Collins, and she's written well over 200 pages of the British Council Learning English website. She moved her focus to investing when she was fed up with precarity and low pay in the ELT industry. I'm sure it's something that most of us can, of course, relate to. Nicola likes to say that there are actually many similarities between starting your own business and starting to invest. And she works with teachers from all over the world on overcoming similar challenges, like self-limiting mindsets, leaps into the unknown, fear of risk, lack of practical knowledge, and with investing, not knowing which platforms to use and to avoid. Yet investing, just like starting your own business, is actually much easier once you know what to do and what not to do. So Nicola dives into all of this and more in this episode. And if you want to get started investing in your future self, check out The Chilled Investor. The link to that is in the show notes or just head over to chilledinvestor.com. With all of that said, we hope you enjoyed the episode and let's dive in. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Teacher Talking Time podcast. Happy to welcome Nicola Prentice to the show today, aka The Chilled Investor. Nicola, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here with Mike as well. Uh, Nicola, I wanted to start, I guess, as we usually do with a little bit of context, a little bit of background, a little bit of clarity uh, before we get into The Chilled Investor, a uh, cool product that you've, you've got yourself into. Um your background in teaching, background in education, um, I think one of the things that I assume one of the things that people like about working with you and your program now is because you have a background in teaching. How did you, I think we all have eclectic stories <laughs> of how we got into the profession. What's, what's yeah. yours? How did you get into oh, this? Not very glamorous. So um, I did a degree in philosophy, which obviously you get kind of ejected out of the end of that and you have no idea what to do because it hasn't, hasn't prepared you for anything, not even temping work. So um, I had a friend, I did temp for a couple of years, just kind of at home going, like in the UK, it used to be the print guardian. The Tuesday edition was, was the one with the graduate jobs in and I would force myself to go to the newsagent and get it and I'd just be so depressed going, I can't do any of this stuff, I can't face it. Um, it was mainly like selling recruitment uh, and advertising spaces. It was those two of the main jobs for people who didn't have anything that they thought they could do. And um, and then a friend of mine told me, because she graduated a year later and she told me she's doing the TEFL course. So I was just like, right, I just latched onto that and I did it. And then, of course, you fall in love with it, don't you? So I loved the TEFL course. It was really hard, much harder than my degree, I thought. And um, and then I just off I went and I didn't stop. I just kept going like you know I'd go to one place and I'd already be kind of planning where I was going to go after that so I just kept bouncing 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 and um and then after a while that gets a little bit tired or you get tired I suppose and I was kind of looking for a bit more depth so I went back to the UK and did a master's but in TEFL Mm. and that was my big mistake because that was my get out I could I could have got out then but I didn't um I kind of tied myself in a little bit harder and went off and went abroad again because couldn't face staying in the UK and then from there I just sort of fell into materials writing so I became somebody who was writing graded readers and the things that I had used in class Mm. I was writing those but the days of being a a huge earning course book author with your name on a series of books you know like we we kind of grew up in teaching knowing who wrote these books you can't do that anymore it's 
it's you know five six seven different writers all writing different bits mm. and your name won't be on it and you don't really get right. paid very well and I kind of broke into the industry as it was changing over to that so right. I, I never really I became unenamored with that as a career as well so <laughs> that's, that's kind of what led me into what I'm doing now nice any any course books that we would know with with your name on it um I wrote some awful bits of um is it touchstone touch something the Cambridge oh, one in America yes, yes. Yep, yep, yeah 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 there's some yeah. really really awful you know I'd get a brief and I'd be told exactly what topic I had to write and I still to this day I'm ashamed of the one that I wrote that was about different ways to apologize and one of the bits that I had to write was like make and ice a sorry cake and, and oh. I was just like, that's just gross. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's very real world. That was one of the lows. Uh, but I think my name is on small print in the back of one of the editions of that. You're here. Um, but yeah, if I did write for any more, I can't remember because you just get the brief and you do what you're told and you don't take any notice. But I have got I have got some books with my actual name on. I've got a Collins um, speaking skills book, a study, like a self-study book that is all my own work, which I still I didn't get paid very well, but I, was, I still got satisfied with it. Are you suggesting that the royalty checks every month don't sustain you? No, <laughs> no. And the thing is, it's like if you got paid for the actual work you did, I probably still would only just be about breaking even now. And that book was published in 2014, maybe. Okay. So royalties is just a way of not paying you until you're old, basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people know that. So that's, that's good. Insight. Everybody thinks royalties is the deal. Yeah. And that's because it used to be if you are Liz Soares, then yeah, you did buy a mansion off the back of headway. But you know, nothing else. That brings us to an interesting question, because you have posted a lot about and obviously, you know, the, the concept of money is, is what you talk a lot about now and help teachers with specifically um, simple question for you. I like to ask simple questions that have complicated okay. answers. <laughs> what is your relationship with money? Mm, that's a really good question because everybody has money mindset issues and you don't stop having them just because you sort your finances out so I I'd say my defining one is I'm a really good saver and that sounds great because saving's really important but I'm a hoarder of money because I'm terrified that I'm not going to have any and I have to have that buffer so what I did with my uh I don't know my financial life if you like throughout TEFL was I saved and you can, you know, I wasn't earning big money anywhere, but I had one job where I earned quite well because I was like a kind of um, live out tutor for a rich family and that paid really well and I didn't have any bills to pay. So I saved most of that. But over the years, you know, I had a, a reasonable savings pot, but I couldn't ever dip into it. There was there was no um, set of circumstances that I could ever think of where I would spend that money. So they were almost useless because they were a psychological crutch. So when I eventually started saying I've got to do something surely I've got to do something with this money it was I was having to fight against my instincts to just hold on to it so that is my money issue and and I will never get over that but I've now at least put in strategies in place because for me investing the thing that makes it possible for me and this would not be true for somebody else who might have the exact same problem as I do because everybody's so different the thing that it's done for me is I understand I haven't spent it so and it's still within my, you know, um, remit or whatever you want to call it, it's still under my control, but it's somewhere else. And that's okay for me because I haven't spent it. But 
it's funny because I'm doing a savings challenge that I have a thing that I a 52 week savings challenge that I get people to it's just a free thing that people can sign up for uh, from my website and then they can uh, join in the challenge and it's 52 weeks but you can start it whenever so I'm on about week 18 and I find it really easy all I have to do is save money but at the end of the challenge you end up with 1378 euros or dollars or, or whatever it is that you've been um, saving up and my massive challenge that I am really struggling with because I'm, I'm going, I, I have to spend that money. That's what, I, you know, I'm not going to put that money into, invest. I'm putting them into investments while I'm saving. But at the end of the year, that's my challenge to myself. I have to spend it. And I, it really is causing me some anxieties, maybe too strong a word, but I will, I will fight that. I just, uh, I was wondering, because uh, it's, it's something I know, as you said, every individual is different, but I think we've all felt that. And I think um, when you say spend, what do you mean? Do you mean on, on yourself or, yeah, or as a reward? I'm going to force myself to buy something like, you know, for example, so now I make video things for my courses. I, and so, you know, a better iPhone, for example, would be I could buy one of the ones I would never go and waste money on an iPhone. I get a refurbished thing and I use it until it literally falls apart or stops working. And I right. just don't. So even that's <laughs> not even really exactly spending on myself. That's a that's a justifiable expense. And I will just be like, oh, come on, you can't go and spend a thousand euros on that phone. So maybe I will do that. Maybe I would use it towards some kind of trip, but I'd be like, oh, bit difficult to justify that amount of money isn't it so whatever I do I'm going to struggle to do it because what what how do you justify spending money on yourself because it's always on yourself in the end but I wouldn't buy my kids something either because they don't need all that rubbish that I could buy them so <laughs> I can't think of anything that's okay to spend that money on the word justify yeah. is interesting to me because yes. we always talk about how do I justify this? How do I justify mm -hmm. that? If you're doing research, how do you justify the validity of your study? How do you justify like it's all just kind of a, a personal opinion and argument that there's no yeah. right or there's no wrong. Yeah. I'm certainly not a psychiatrist, but I like to play one on TV. So, you know, <laughs> were your parents savers when you grew up? How what was money like? Well, money was tight. I mean, this is where this complex comes from. I'm a, from a single parent family and I was always very aware of the fact that we didn't have money. And, and my grandparents used to help us out. And in fact, the fact that they helped us out when my mum got divorced meant that we didn't have to lose the house. We got to stay in it. So all of this stuff is there in the back of my mind that you, you need to be holding on to money. And money wasn't really something we spoke about, but I definitely knew that we didn't have it. In British school system, I... I shouldn't assume mm -hmm. but did you go to school in, in the yes, UK? I yeah. did, okay. I did. is it talked about there was it talked about has it changed because i know here it's not really i mean it's mentioned no, but no, like it's the topic of investing yeah. and these kinds of things are not nothing. discussed is that the same no. in the uk Even no financial, financial intelligence at all. your literacy nothing. rather yeah. yeah yeah nothing nothing at all okay and in the context of teachers which is what we talk about what you talk about i mean i think it's a bigger conversation certainly coming from just people relationship with investment but we certainly you've noticed we noticed lots of people noticed that teachers not to generalize but certainly have you know the, talking the conversation about money can be one that we're generally uncomfortable with or or mm -hmm. resistant to having yeah. for a variety of reasons you know maybe just you know it's not a secret that a lot of teachers don't make a lot of money so it might come from that it may come from something else how do you 
Let's start with yourself. How did you make that transition to, you mentioned bouncing around earlier from, and I think that's very yeah. common in our industry for absolutely precarity and many other reasons, but in your bouncing around, how did you encourage yourself to say, hey, even though it might be a little uncomfortable for me, this is something that I need to kind of resonate mm. in and dive into. How did you come to that? I did ignore it for a long time. And my sister who's taken, a, she's two years younger than me, but she's taken a completely different and much more sensible path. You know, she's married and she's um, had her children in the right order. And she um, has always had a proper job with a pension, but she's very trapped by that pension. Actually, she hates her job. I hope nobody <laughs> ever working in an industry. So no one listens to this she show. She do that to you. Yeah, yeah, we have no listeners. <laughs> she, <It's okay. laughs> she hates her job, but she wouldn't leave because of the pension. And um, so it is a trap in the other direction as well. But um, she was all, you know, she just kind of ramped up the thing of saying to me, like, you know, have you got a pension though for? Well, I didn't, but she was kind of nagging me. And for some reason, I started to be like, right, I am going to do something about this. I think it might have been because, uh, you know, I'm a single parent now. It was probably following the sort of introduction to single parenthood. Um, that I was like, I've got, I've, I've got to do something here. So um, I couldn't buy myself any security by buying a house, which is the normal thing for people, isn't it? And so that was always a big no because I did my savings weren't enough to do that with, and I think I would have resisted it actually because if I'd bought a house, that money I would have felt it had gone. Um, so I could, but I couldn't have done it anyway. So I just the process of starting to go, what can I do with my money? Um, and asking people who I thought would know better than me, not understanding their answers, because I just sometimes you, it's, this is the hard part about it. You don't know what questions to ask. You don't understand the answers when you get them. So you have to be quite determined. And I am the sort of person who like once I start trying to find out about something, I, I keep going. So it was just that. And then I uh first thing I did was sorted out my national insurance contributions in the UK which is like when we pay into the public system which is what makes your state pension and you I knew already that you could top them up and you could make them up if you got partial years and stuff so I took care of that first and then the next thing was just asking somebody what to do and reading reading around and listening to podcasts and just starting to open accounts and slowly starting to understand okay there are there are options here but I probably only really fully understood all of it once I wrote my course because you have to be able to explain something really to do it re explain something really well you have to know it in a lot more detail than you have to know in order to just do it so I, I totally empathize with you and I, I I know a lot of teachers especially in Asia who who kind of as you suggested maybe just avoid it because they don't know anything about it or they they just generally, because they're, they live this transient lifestyle where they're in one country for part of their lives and then they move to another and, and so on. And as you suggested, they might not decide to buy a house or might not be mm -hmm. able to buy a house, depending to. on yeah. where they are, um, might feel like they've perhaps um, left that opportunity back in their home country behind because they've mm -hmm. been outside of it for a while. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I think, yeah, I think it, it's, it's, it's a really telling problem. And I think it, it generates a lot of angst like internally for a lot of teachers yeah you know, and then that just, just becomes a reason start. to ignore it even more because right. now you have you've ignored it for whatever reason all of the things you've just said but now because you've been ignoring it it's going to stress you out a lot more so now you've definitely got to ignore it that's right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what resistance do you get generally speaking so mm. investing is something that people do all over the world, you know, 
but not everyone does it. And it's not a teacher thing. It's a person thing. Like I talked to mm-hmm. lots of people and they, they haven't done it. They, do you th- really think it's just overwhelm and they don't know and it's, it's exhausting to try and find out and you have to do it on your own? Or what comments do you get about people being resistant? People are scared and they're scared not just because they think it's going to be overwhelming because everybody assumes that it's going to be very difficult to learn and it's going to be a, a time consuming thing. People be saying to me, I don't want to have to watch the stock market and I'll explain to them, you definitely don't need to watch the stock market is the last thing you should be doing but then in the next sentence they'll say something that shows me that they weren't really paying attention to what I said because their preconceived ideas of it are so fixed that they can't hear you and so people think it's going to be time consuming people think they won't understand it people are frightened of maths and and you're right it's a people thing but in TEFL, you've got a lot of people that are comfortable with language and possibly not comfortable at all with maths. And so I wasn't uncomfortable with maths because I studied it till I was 16, but then I just didn't go any further. But still, I probably thought that there was maths involved and there isn't. Um, you know, this I don't do any more complicated calculations about anything than somebody's going to the supermarket and working out have they got enough money in their wallet like there's nothing bigger than that um and so that's one blocks about that but I think it's mostly it's just fear of having to look at their own finances because it's very different if somebody's telling you about this in your 20s you'll go one of two ways the way I went is boring who cares um I'm having fun and by the way I'm much cooler than you with your you know job that makes you work 10 hours a day in an office uh, somewhere in a gray place um and the other way is that you just sort of say well I'm gonna invest I'm gonna like gamble everything on, well they don't use the word gamble they're like oh I'm gonna invest in crypto then they go completely the other way when they're in their 20s but the tr- if they had the right information in their 20s I think that's that's where you really make the biggest difference in your life because you can retire a millionaire with no sweat. So once people get older than that, they still think it's probably going to be boring, but they would definitely be too frightened to do anything like crypto, which is at least they've got half of the wrong thing <laughs> is taken away. But they just think, well, it's too late now. And if I start listening to you, I'm going to have to go and look at my bank accounts. And I'm going to I'm going to see a black hole. And I know whatever you say, I'm not going to be able to do anything about that. It's too late. And so they, they're, they're frightened of having to look because the only way you can do anything about it is by first going and looking. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that can be that can be scary for sure. Um, I know it is for me, but like it, it exists. I like to say, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like getting bad news from the doctor on whatever reason, you know, or going to yes. a checkup, you know, mm-hmm. whatever is ailing you exists independent of you being aware of it. Right. Yeah, it's so, so true. It's a really good analogy, actually, mm-hmm. going to the doctor when you suspect something's wrong and putting it off. Yeah, yeah. like that news it's happening inside of the body no matter if you know it's happening or not know it's happening so it, mm. it's happening so i guess then it becomes a choice do i want to do something about it or do i want to ignore it and mm-hmm. i'm not saying what someone should choose because it's a personal choice but i think that's analogy is is yeah. kind of appropriate in this case but in finances i don't think the answer is as scary you know it's not a <laughs> wolf of wall street situation <laughs> right we're not leonardo no. dicaprio yelling at people on, on the stock market there are yeah practical things that can be done um this is a very canadian example i think but there's a, a book that came out here like in the mid 90s called the wealthy barber um okay and it was i think it goes back to the overwhelm conversation of i think a lot of people are intimidated 
rightly so, because the unknown can be scary. If we don't know things about anything, then it can be like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll you know, I'll put it off. I, I'll learn about it later. And there's, I think there's quite a few resources available now that help people mm-hmm. kind of make your course being one of them, helping people take that first step. And The Wealthy Barber was, is a book um, by David Chilton, who's a Canadian, uh, he's on the Dragon's Den or was on the Dragon's Den of Canada. Uh, he became very wealthy, ironically, from The Wealthy Barber book and basically gives digestible micro investing tips to people and the first tip and is is just take 10 percent you know making part of your salary make or as your as first of all having a budget number one and within mm-hmm. the budget having an expense line that is 10 percent of what you make that goes investing so inverting what i think most and maybe you this happens maybe you've seen this what most people mm-hmm. do is going through their expenses and then I'll invest whatever is left and left, usually yeah. it's zero mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. I take 10% right off the top immediately. Yeah. And then as an, as an, mm-hmm. a monthly expense, is that what you would recommend as well? Yeah. There's a Warren Buffett quote that I will get wrong the wrong way around <laughs> if I say it now, but it's basically that, you know, don't save what's left after spending, spend what's left after saving. And it really is talking about investing when he says saving there. Um, I think I got it the right way around. Um, yeah, and it's exactly that. You budget for it. And, you know, that seems to a lot of people like, well, I can't afford it. But you can. When it's an expense that just goes out of your account every month, you, you'll you make it. Same as all the rest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to pay yourself first, right? And then mm. you can pay other people. Yeah. That's the phrase. Pay yourself first. Mm. I, the, the I can't afford it objection. I love mm-hmm. it. Because that's a choice. You can't afford not to. But it's also you can't afford not to. If you if you can't afford, if you think you can't afford to invest, it means that your financial situation is the most vulnerable and therefore you must. Uh, um, and maybe that's too strong, you know, actually, you're right, it's a choice, but that problem's not going to go away. And I think I think a lot of people actually just think, well, something will change. Um, and the inheritance, a lot of people are expecting to inherit. But you know that's not a very, a very secure way to build things. Especially, no, I mean, I'm finding it's a bit I'm gloomy now, to like, look at it that way too. Yeah, <laughs> it's gloomy, but and and also it just it might not happen. My mum, again, uh, she won't listen to this, but she's quite likely to spend what she's got on care. So it's not you know just because there is money there now, I don't think there'll be any left. So if that's if that was my plan wouldn't be a very good one and then you know we if you then if you go okay inheritance I'm sure I'm going to get some inheritance but you don't learn anything about investing your children will have nothing to inherit so you're just going to pass it further down the line and well if you've got children that should be a consideration really it's like how am I going to change this for them sure I think there's a little bit of of delayed gratification here too, where it's yeah. there's no immediate returns, there's no it's 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 future me that benefits from this, and I think mentally mm-hmm. that that's a block certainly, um for a lot it was for me when I wasn't doing this and I'm mm. doing it now, but it was a mm-hmm. was a block certainly, but also you know people take action usually to solve problems, and the problem that you've outlined is is a good one. Um, there's a a real problem which is kind of ironic because you mentioned your sister being trapped in a job because of the pension. She doesn't like the job. It was your sister right? doesn't yeah, like yeah. the job but is there for the pension but realistically you know not just in teaching but most job situations these days you know don't have pensions and don't have full-time exactly. benefits and you have to save your own way um you know retirement we don't know what that's going to look like for us 
You know, the, the 65 age is just the rule because of pensions. But like, if there's no pension, what does that actually mean? What does that yeah. actually look like? So that's another problem that needs to be solved. And we can each solve that individually. But let's get into the weeds because you talk about you were right. a saver and now you're an investor. So what's the difference? Yes. Investing just means the money is working for me instead of sitting there and what I was doing before meant that it was losing money. I didn't understand about inflation. And when I look at um, inflation calculators now that will go back and tell you how much the, the currency is depreciated, I lost 44% in the last 20 years. That's how much I lost by having it sit there. And it's really interesting because people are afraid of losing money to investing, but that's a risk. But over time, that risk pretty much if you're doing the right low risk you know passive investing that that risk pretty much disappears um it might be that before you retire there's a hit and it's less than it was a couple of years before that it's not gonna be less than it was when you put it in if you're doing it for the duration but the inflation thing guaranteed yeah it's like the cost of the cost of money goes up over time because yeah, if it's just sitting there in an account, I don't know what interest rates are like in in the EU, but in Canada they're pretty dismal. <laughs> like, oh well, we've maybe got less than a percent, high, right? Really? Because we've got high inflation and high interest rates now, and that's the big news. Like now, you're able to get not in Spain because it's not very good here. I could, now in Spain, the best I can get is about two percent interest, but in the UK, you're able to with no risk and without tying your money up in a fixed term uh, savings account, you can get four to four four and a half percent now, and I think a lot of people think it will go up a little bit higher, but so Canada's not got high interest rates. I didn't it's about know that. two to three percent. Um, if you if you have more money and you can throw it into a special savings account, then and maintain that balance, then you typically can get like a two point five to or or higher. But there are smaller banks that are trying to incentivize people to mm. switch over from some of the was it the big five, Andrew? Is that with the the big five banks that we have here in Canada, there's some small regional banks that are trying to attract people by offering um, high interest savings accounts. And yes, Nicola, I think those are closer to a 4% or, mm-hmm. or higher, but it's, right. it's, it's not common. And it, it, it involves you taking all of your resources out of one institution and bringing them over to another, which is, which is uh, kind of intimidating. However, it's like you said, it's uh, perhaps going forward. That might be a nice little way that people can can get yeah. more of their savings you know. i mean it's not at the moment over here anyway that kind of rate isn't beating inflation so you, you're just uh you know helping chip point. away at it a little bit because inflation's more like nine ten percent uh which hopefully will go down at some point that's why the interest rates are high to combat that but it's um it's not like saving however good your savings account is it's not it's not as good as investing will be for you over the long term. So you, you take on a bit of risk, but like I said, not really that much when you're talking about 10, 15 years. Exactly. And that's a strategy, right? It's it's a mindset of like, oh, I'm going to leave it in there for 10 or 15 years and, and let it do its thing. And that's, I mean, historically speaking, like real estate, like it, it, does, it goes up mm. over time. It has dips. Yeah. Um, but as long as you just and maybe that's where ignoring it is a good thing. You just don't look yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. it and then ignore it, but don't <laughs> ignore it and don't do it. <laughs> exactly. That's right. that's right. So when you say investing, then how is that different from, say, putting it into a high interest savings account? Like, What sort of things it, would you be looking at there? Well, I mean, because of the, a high interest savings account is basically the bank is investing your money and they're giving you a little bit of their profit. So when you invest, 
you're kind of cutting out that middleman in a way. You are still going to use a, a bank or an investment platform or, or a broker or something. You have to have some kind of middleman. But you, generally speaking, when people talk about investing, they are really talking about the stock market, especially when they're talking about long-term uh, investing. And what they're not talking about, or what you shouldn't be talking about, and, and this is what I teach, investing is not choosing individual shares. In, in companies that you, I don't know, like the sound of or, or even the ones that you've uh, read all the financial reports and, and, and really spent time on it. It's not that, because that's a kind of form of gambling, really. That those individual companies, anything could happen. People invested in Blockbuster, um, you know, along came Netflix. Like, that can happen to anything. So it's not individual shares. It's, it's something called index funds, and that just means you're basically investing in the whole stock market or very large portions of it at the same time. And... The reason that's low risk is because it, it means that if you think that the stock market's all going to disappear, it means that it's the end of all human productivity and profit making, that that's all somehow stopped. And that might happen, but we'll have a lot more things to worry about because that's Armageddon time. So you're not gonna, you, whether you've got exactly, money yeah. or not, it's not going to help you. It's have you got seeds? Have you got clean water? Right. Bigger fish to fry in that yeah. uh, in that context, yeah. Yeah. So the stock market's not the whole thing, anyway. It's it like there are other things. So things like that I teach on the course, like bonds, and then I teach some other kind of investments that are like fintech, basically the the technological advances that mean that you can share in the property market without having to buy a house and that kind of stuff. I teach people about those because they're available, and I make regular income off those that that's not my growing stuff that I can't touch for 15 years that's paying me out you know mm -hmm. all the time for right. sure and this is the, the math that I think is really useful and for people to sit down and grab a pen and a paper or a digital pen and paper and really work on it because I had a conversation with a friend like it was last week and they they got a raise at work um a, a three I guess their their pay is like from anywhere from zero to five or six percent annually so they I think they got three percent raise which they were really happy about which they they should be but really yep. if you look at inflation i just googled it before we started recording so canada right now is 4.3 percent so they're actually not a raise actually they're losing money and yeah. it was eight percent at the middle of last year so it's you know so when you look at job mindset that way it's actually not a raise at all they're actually taking money away from you yeah um, and if you've invested that in a way that you've suggested which is you know over the long term basically assured to to increase and the stock market generally speaking nine percent year over year so even if yeah. you had done that and inflation in canada at its peak was about eight percent so you still would have earned at least one percent even in mm -hmm. you know the toughest time that we've seen in a while yeah. here so it, it, the yeah. math on that is telling yeah the, it is mm. literally investing is the only way to keep pace with and outpace inflation there isn't another way you can't save your way past inflation you can change your and this is obviously what you guys teach you can drastically change your income earning uh, ability and that is the best investment you can make and so you know if you've got a way of of doing a course or something that means that you're going to earn more at the end of it like that's the first thing that you should do invest in yourself first and you know but be investing a little bit at the same time and then change your income and invest the difference or whatever it is that the difference can be so that you can still raise your lifestyle a little bit it's a bit miserable to stay at exactly the same <laughs> subsistence level as a TEFL teacher if you've managed to raise your income but it's that like you you have to you, that's they're the only two ways past inflation is invest and earn more
Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, and welcome to another interview with uh, Teacher Accelerator member and Jessica Diaz. Thanks for joining us today. And thank you for inviting me. When you have only one one-on-one lessons, one-to-one, there's a limit. You're going to have a limit of students. And even if you have like 20 students, that's too much. You're going to be overworked and overwhelmed. That's not something that I wanted. I'm not leaving school to be overworked with something that's going to leave me trapped again. That's, that's the thing of having your online course, because you can be at the beach selling your course. This being overworked took, took a toll on my mental health. So I was like, I want to have time to go to the gym, to spend time with my family, with my friends. And I wasn't able to do that. I wanted to help more students. And I also wanted to have more time for myself and also to develop myself as a professional because I wanted to read more. I wanted to take other courses. There's so much things uh, in the tap course Hey everyone, this is Andrew from Learn Your English. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Teacher Talking Time. You know, this podcast is just one resource that we have here at LYE to help you in your teacherpreneur journey. But I also wanted to speak about another one that we have, which is our Teacherpreneur Support Network, or TSN. TSN is a free community for emerging teacherpreneurs to plant the seeds of their businesses and watch it grow at their own pace. No rushing, no stress but with some light accountability to help you achieve what you're actually capable of. Specifically within TSN, you'll find free support from myself, Mike, and Leo to ask specific questions pertinent to your specific situation. You'll also find a free course on setting up the pillars to grow your business sustainably and avoid key mistakes that we made in our journey over the years. You'll also get access to all of our live workshops and live events focused on course and business design. More importantly, TSN is a guide to help you set up the foundations of your sustainable online business if you're really serious about taking that step. And it's all free to help you get moving. So to see if TSN is a good fit for you, you can join the conversation with other teacherpreneurs and us by clicking the link in the show notes below or just join from our website, learnyourenglish.com to get started right away. That's learnyourenglish.com. Once enrolled over there on TSN, you'll be able to work with us directly for free and be given the guidance to set up your business the sustainable way. No magic pills, no quick fixes, no million dollar promises. Just practical foundations that help you build the balanced business you envision for yourself. Better yet, you'll be able to collaborate with others on the same path as you. You know, we like to say that it's almost impossible to move forward unless we surround ourselves with others who are on the same trajectory as us. So if you're serious about challenging yourself and you really want to take that next step, head over to TSN and get started. Once again, you can click the link in the show notes or just join from our website, learnyourenglish.com. We hope to see you over there. And now let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, my name is Maurice and I'm from Ivory Coast. You're listening to the Teacher Talking Time to Learn Your English podcast. Coucou tout le monde, je m'appelle Marise et je viens de Côte d'Ivoire. Vous écoutez The Teacher Talking Time, The Learn Your English Podcast. Amusez-vous bien? It can be hard. Like it's, it's choices, right? Because people like, myself included, we all like to be comfortable in our comfort zone. And, you know, when people sometimes say, oh, I don't have time for that. 
I usually ask them, well, how much Netflix do you watch per week? Oh, about three hours. Well, this, there you go. Now you just made three hours, right? I can't afford to invest. Oh, do you have Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Well then you just made 15 bucks a month that you can invest, right? It's, it's choices. It's reframing the conversation. It's about what do I prioritize? What do I not prioritize? And that's a very simplistic example. And some situations are very complicated and I don't want to make light of that, but it is mm. coming down to, you know, just like you said, you say this all the time. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you're investing $10,000. It can be little chunks over time little that bits. add up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, that situation that you just described is it could be more complex than that. Like I'm a single parent with two children and there's not really any particular support in this country where I am, Spain, for single parents. So my situation is one of those complicated ones, but I still manage it. It's just, yeah, I'm not putting large amounts of money away, but it's better than nothing. And the way that you described it is it's it's also very hands-offish too. It's mm -hmm. not, this this is like this kind of misunderstanding around this whole idea of, of time, right? Like it takes time for, for me to familiarize myself with these things. It's it, it's not. Sure, there's probably this um, this need to perhaps access resources such as your course and, yeah. and the um, advice from experts. But, but beyond that, it very much is this notion of passive income. Um, yeah. it, as long as you contribute regularly, you will start to see growth over time, depending on your horizon. And as long as that's long enough, then you're certainly going to see growth over time. Yeah, yeah exactly. I didn't spend any time on my investments. Nothing. I, I, some of them are set up so that I get emails every day telling me these ones that I was saying to you about the payout income. I get an email every day telling me how much I've earned. And I, you know, quite enjoy the few seconds that takes to read those. But other than that, I don't do anything. <laughs> And I okay, I did have to research accounts, but it's like you can, you know, I taught myself and it took me about six months. But then I um put the course together and somebody can do it in six weeks. And it's not like they're going to be study, study, studying in that six weeks. Because that's another thing that people are like, people say to me, I just don't have the bandwidth at the moment. I'm like, you don't understand. This course is not going to stress you out. But people don't believe me until they're on the course. So it's a bit of a kind of circular thing. I can't you know, I can only convince people that already believe me. That's what my main marketing problem is, actually. I can only convince people that already believe me. That's, that's no good. Touche. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, because on your website, childinvestor.com, uh, you mention, I'll read it verbatim. It says, but desperation is the mother of research, self-study, learning, and self-improvement. Oh, I wrote that. You, That's good, isn't it? <laughs> it's there. I don't know if you wrote <laughs> it. Right now. Yeah, yeah. I did, excellent. So if I'm in take that Warren Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm inferring properly, and you can tell me if I'm not, uh, the latter prospect, let's say, for your for your services, already trust you and know that you're right and know that not that you're right, know uh, align with your point or your perspective mm. and doesn't take much convincing to jump into the course. The former, where they don't quite yet, you know, how do you, using that quote about des desperation is quite a, mm. uh, a polarizing or a abrasive word, right? How yeah, do you yeah. convey or how would you show them what, what desperation that maybe they currently have, they don't realize or that's coming? Yeah, I'm trying to do it in lots of different ways. So what I've been recognizing is that there are quite a few people that are happy to listen to the things that I'm saying. And I think they feel that they are starting to change their pathway because they're now like in my orbit. 
And so I think they just need, I think there's a lot of people that just need quite a while to be in that orbit. So one of the things, and because the, you know, I don't have money is a big thing for people, this 52 week savings challenge, you get to a point where you've saved up the money for the course. So you've just, I've removed that obstacle. Now that, that happens after about, I think it's about six months because that, that is an exponential thing, you know, because you're saving a bit more all the time. So it sort of takes off like that, but um, they get to about six months and they would have the money for the course. So that's taken that one out. So I, I will be interested to see what happens. The people who started at the same time as me, what will happen when they reach that point? So we'll see. Um, I just created and um, released a little mindset, a money mindset course that is that I've made like fun and um cute because I've made it about monsters and instead of money blocks I've said like money monsters and like the whole like turn the lights on they're hiding under the bed but when you look at them look they're, they're all right um they're cute um and they're not like your money fears are not cute but once you can see what they are I think you can stop them having so much control over you so that is another attempt to meet people where they are and then take them through so you know again we see how much difference that kind of thing makes so I think some for some people, they just need, I think they just need more time. Times have changed, probably. I remember when my grandmother passed away years and years and years ago, we found like thousands of dollars in cash under her mattress. Wow. In her, in her bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not in her freezer? <laughs> that must be a Nova Scotian thing. Yeah, the freezer. Yeah, okay. And part of us were like, oh my God, shopping. And then... 90% yeah. of us were like, oh, my God, how much money did you lose by keeping it under your mattress for God knows right. how long? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And can you imagine if there was a fire? This is just a terrifying <laughs> yeah. thing about having cash. But maybe that's a generational pattern um, yeah. with, you know, antitrust of banks and, and all these kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. Is it mm -hmm. a case now, Nicola, that what you're seeing, people, teachers want to do this? They they don't want to keep it under their mattress. They just don't know exactly how or they need a strategy. Yeah, they definitely don't know what to do. And I think because of not knowing what to do for a certain type of person, that will stop you saving in the first place. Because it's just like, I don't have a destination for this. I know I can't save any significant amount of money. So I might as well just spend it, live pay packet to pay packet because they don't know. And I think when you at least show people what the pathway is like you keep saying there there are choices they can make because you can't choose something that you didn't know was there so that's what i mean about i think people just need to kind of hear what i'm saying for a bit longer because they're like oh right okay i hadn't thought about that before okay now i know about it now maybe i'll listen to a bit more that kind of thing because there's not really it particularly any other people talking about investing in elt there's one guy in japan it's focused on people who are going to retire in Japan and he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. And he's very like, you know, it's very clear who he's talking to. Um, and then I'm here more sort of like, look, investing is a general thing that anybody can do. But I mean, a lot of people are dismissing it because they'll write to me and they'll ask, you know, is it, is it worth me doing this? Cause I'm in the UK and I'll be like, Yes, I mean, I'm from the UK, I know about the system there, but but basically what I'm teaching is applicable in general. The examples I use are from the UK and Spain, but I'll even have people write to me who don't realise I'm in Spain and say, look, I, 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 I'm worried that your course will be too British centric and I'm in Spain and I go, I'm in Spain too. <laughs> so it's just you always just think resistance, that everybody's no heard yeah. yeah but you always think that everybody's heard what you you've said and you know if people people have been i've been now talking about this for a year mm. it's more or less coming up for a year on may the 
sometime in May. And so there are still people who don't know that I'm in Spain. So you think, oh my God, I must really not be putting the message out there enough. But it's just people don't, they don't. We, we joke in our program uh, with, with email marketing that the only person that reads all of your emails is you. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're checking for the typos. <laughs> Yeah. Now, what does that say? But yes, yeah, well, it's, it's true. It means it that people true, are busy yeah. and they're doing their own thing just they like are. we're doing our yep. own thing. And yeah. like, if you have a, an yeah. email open rate that's like 35%, that's like amazing. That's like really, really good. Mm. Which also means that 65% of people did not read it. So yeah. keep sending the same thing. Keep talking about the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and repurpose your mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because I so far have not repurposed any newsletters or LinkedIn posts, but I'm going to start now and I can do that with you know, quite a lot of confidence because my open rates are really good. They're, they're 50% and above usually, but right. that, like you say, that's half the people that are not reading it. And I suppose it's the same half. And guess what? If someone is the same person and they read it, they're not going to say anything. No. <laughs> it's unlikely anyway. Um, yeah. Do you, do you approach you or do you approach your approach to this? Uh, I guess that's a very meta start to the question differently or the same similarly for teachers who are employed let's say working for a school or self-employed teachers is there a, a different strategy or is it is it kind of aligned that way I haven't been because generally speaking all those people are in a precarious position because it's TEFL um but it's true that people so more in the editor um editor sphere because a lot of the people because my background's gone into writing so there's a lot of editors that I know and so some of those are still in-house and they've got workplace pensions and you know if you've got a workplace pension and you're sort of stable and you're contributing to the state system I can see why you might think you've got that covered and and you you may well have but if you lose your job which for a lot of editors they are cleared out all the time. So that that's not a secure position. So it would be better for those people to learn about it so that they can decide, have I got enough in the state pension and the workplace pension and, uh, you know, and should I be doing anything else? But I don't specifically target those people because I would have to, I would have to change what I was saying. And I think it's, I think it's fairer as well to go for the people who really have nothing um because you know workplace pension will take you quite far probably but the habits are probably transferable to every situation but as you suggested certainly from from what we know about the canadian um industry andrew it's uh there certainly is a, gr a greater need because of the precarity of the elt field um to really take ownership over your own savings and your, your financial future and earning your own money is, is a way to do that certainly easier said than done obviously but you know, it's not a quit your job today and dive, you know, no, obviously not like keep doing what you're doing and make a little bit of money on the side. And right now we're in, right in the middle of tax season, which is the most painful season for most people yeah. um, where this all comes up. But certainly if you're self-employed exclusively and, you know, taxes are a big part uh, of, you know, when you have a job, they do it for you most of the time. So that's, that's quite mm -hmm. nice. Uh, you don't even see the money that you don't see. You know, it's it, at least in Canada, it's significant. Um, but if you're self-employed, you have to track that yourself so yeah. i think this money mindset that you're talking about this avoidance of money like if you're self-employed that's not an option forget investing like if you're going to be self-employed you have to do that so might as well you know do two things at the same time and take care of this yeah. at the same time exactly, exactly. habit that's stacking right. yeah. yeah habit yeah. stacking is so true like in spain i don't know what it's like for you but we have to as freelancers file quarterly taxes 
So because you have to charge VAT and VAT is quarterly and it's a massive pain in the neck and it means that you have to pay for an accountant. So it's like an extra tax. Um, it infuriates me. But <laughs> it does mean that every quarter. So the way I organize my own finances, because a lot of freelancers in Spain will say to me, I can't really do any investing because my income's so erratic. And I'm like, yeah, but you have that fixed thing of the quarter. So do what I do is I have um, a very small amount of money go into uh, the private pension. It's 125 euros a month. And yeah, that's not very much. But because that goes out every month, there's about 3000 in that now, which I would not have if I had not. And that's like, like, you know, it goes out of my account before I before I can do anything about it. So that's there. But then at the end of every quarter, I've, I've been putting aside my money for my tax and my VAT because I can't have a surprise like that. But I still don't allow myself to do any actual investing until I've paid that money to the government. And then I sit down and I so it, it's not it's not actually the optimum strategy because it's that whole, um, you know, spend invest before you spend thing. And I'm not doing that. But I feel that that is the balance that I can stick to. And that is the key thing about investing. It's like there's optimal and then there's what can you stick to? And that's much more important than what is the perfect strategy. So that's how it that's how I make that whole quarterly thing work for and the erratic income thing work for me. I like to use the percent for me. It works because even if it's a very small number or like obviously if you're self-employed, it fluctuates greatly month over month. Right. Um, 10 percent of a low number, 10 percent of a big number, 10 percent is 10 percent. Mm. And for me, mm. that works to be consistent. Um able to i mean right even right now the the worst month of the year for self-employed people is is right now it's april uh even in april i'm still like but i can do 10 percent, but it's not as much as it usually is but i can still i can still do my 10 percent mm. and just make it habit stack i think is good atomic habits over my yeah. shoulder here mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it, i think for anything the hardest part is starting getting over that mental hurdle of like this yeah. is a thing that i'm gonna do i'm gonna start going to the gym i'm not gonna go every day but i'm gonna go twice a week forever and I'm going to go on Mondays and Wednesdays at 1030 and, and whatever. And just, and with investing, I find it a lot, like you can just automate it. Like it just, you can set it up exactly. and you don't even have to, to think about it. That, and that's key. I think when maybe when people also realize they're not going to spend any time thinking about it, they're just going to have to set it up, set it and forget it. Ooh, let's pull that. I didn't make that one up though. <laughs> I didn't make that one up. <laughs> All right. Um, with that in mind, before we get you out of here, I think, for everyone who's listening, uh, except your sister, who, <laughs> yeah, my mom. who's the, and your mom, who's thinking, yeah, 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 this all sounds good. Um, you know, other than signing up for your course, what is like, uh, Leo taught me this actually, you know, when, mm -hmm. when Mike and Leo, I think are both part of the 5am club, which I'm not a member of. Um, but he said, if I ever wanted to join, yes. this is what you do when the alarm goes off and you don't want to get up. You just do three, two, one, and you just get up. And I did it a few times, and it works. It worked for me. It was, it was very good. So if people are listening to this, and they say, this all sounds great. This all sounds fantastic. But <laughs> what's your version of the three, two, one, just get up and just do it? That's a really good question. I've never heard that um, philosophy or approach before. So the three, two, one, just do it thing. I think it's get a private pension. I think if you're going to do anything, that should be the thing. But you, it would be better if you understand. There's there's quite a bit to understand before you can open a pension. So I think, unfortunately, with investing, there is no real 
just do it because you don't know what it is so how could you so that's the closest I can get but I do think you need to learn a little bit first three two one where can people go to join the children investor course I mean that that's really a better three two one because it takes all the pain (laughs) it just takes the pain out of it and it takes the time and it takes the just I'm gonna wade through a load of rubbish here and probably get scammed on the way so my course does um so it's the, the website is childinvestor.com because that's the philosophy like you're not going to be stressed out by this not when you're doing the course not afterwards you know never again but um the course is last six weeks and i because i recorded it all now and instead of delivering it live the input sessions are so much shorter when they're on video so you're talking about half an hour of video and half an hour to 45 minutes of homework a week. And then there's a couple of extra sessions that fit around that six weeks. So it's really not time consuming. And um, and then at the end of that six weeks, you do have to go away and do your research. But I have a Facebook group that I funnel people into when they finish the course, because you find there's other people who've already gone and looked up the, you know, you're coming later, you can you stand on the shoulders of giants type of thing. And, you know, people have done the, the work of the research for you if they're in your country. So that's easier. Um, and that course will next run it'll probably start may the 22nd and i think if people come and sort of join my newsletter and stuff they'll be in time to hear about that but you know if you follow me on linkedin you'll hear about it um and i think in the next week or so i'm gonna take deposits from the people that have already said they want to do it and then you know open it up to everybody else and um, i'm going to and i have to plan this still in may the week before that course starts i'm going to run a big challenge like a fun one that's um, basically like finding money you know where can I find some money from so you know it's not all down the back of the sofa but like people who've got pensions they've forgotten about or people that you know could chase all sorts of things or different ways of just finding money and again with that aim of like showing people you see you found 300 pounds during this week and the course is only a couple of hundred pounds more than that so that's the plan but definitely another one's going to run in may and then i think it won't be until october because i'm busy for most of the summer and i think most people probably are too so next october so that's quite a gap and and when you look and start looking at compound interest calculators and you start looking at oh if i wait until october how much less money am i going to have because i didn't invest for those four months investing is such an opportunity cost when you're not doing it this is the same with course design as well, right? The further you put it off, it's just money that's out there not mm-hmm. being earned, right? So, yeah, but especially with investing. Anything yeah. I find for me, that's the COVID or the pandemic effect. I find time passes so quickly. Years just seem to like, you're just months are passing, weeks are going by. Working online, I find days blend together and I'm like, oh my God, that was two weeks. What happened? And so like, <laughs> if, so cliche, but like if it's something that you want to do, I think you should do it. And you know, there's, there's no sense in, in delaying it. Yeah. And the, the thing the thing with investing that I say to people all the time is nobody ever learns about investing and goes, oh, I wish I'd waited longer to learn about that. Everybody says, I wish I'd started this years ago. I wish I'd known about this years ago. Me too. I, I would, you know, that house that I couldn't buy I probably would have been able to had I invested the money that I had been saving since my 20s. Now, I can't get that time back, but I can make the most of the next 20. The best time to plant a tree. 10 years ago mm-hmm. or 20, 20 years ago, ago or whatever oh. pick a number <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20s is better than 10 yeah. certainly you'd have a bigger tree yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah second best time is today right yeah right on 
I, and the hardest part is, is finding, finding money, but it's not for me. It's, you know, I just canceled my Amazon prime subscription and there I found it. Right. Or I don't buy my whatever that I don't need to buy. Oh my God, the Starbucks thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like forget investing yeah. anything like if you want to take that vacation that you think you can't afford just don't buy a starbucks for a year and then there's a free vacation you paid for it yeah. right <laughs> yeah. sorry starbucks yeah, yeah. sorry starbucks yeah, yeah. if you're listening but like or whatever insert thing that you buy because that's insert, your yeah, yeah that you flip don't really your habit need. stack mm. right remove that one and add the one that benefits yeah. future you yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. Because those little sums will really add up over time. There are some really cool apps now where it will round up your, like if you pay for something that's, you know, $1.87, it, you can tell it to round up to $2 or $5 or whatever you want, you set it. And it will funnel those into, um, you know, savings account. I think some of them are even tied up to investment accounts, but I think the fees are quite high, so maybe don't do that. But um, but you need there's all sorts of things you can do now to take advantage and you don't notice those pennies and things. One more Canadian example before we finish. There used to be, I don't know, Mike, do you remember, do you ever watch this? There used to be a television show like in the early 2000s called Till Debt Do Us Part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, they, they brought in some, some old deer to come in and talk to the couples, yeah, right? Yeah, it was married couples. Yeah. And they had to actually eliminate certain things. Actually, it wasn't just couples too. It was, uh, like teenage, children okay. and, and whatnot as, as well i think right. yeah yeah and yeah, yeah she would come in and and the challenge was re- reorganize their finances because they were in debt they were overspending spending beyond their means more than they earned all these kinds of things and i guess it's a very time related solution because well, with credit cards now and all the points that you get and free mm. like it's it's more beneficial probably to use cards but she would say use the would cash in a jar Every month, yeah. you go to the ATM and you have your grocery jar and you have your rent jar, mortgage jar, you have your, like whatever. And literally you use that. And then when the jars are empty, there's mm-hmm. no more money left. You're not yeah. doing anything else. There's, that's, that's a trend now as well. Apparently there's a load of like, people on TikTok. It's called envelope stuffing. And it's oh. the same thing where you have your, your food envelope, your whatever, and you spend what's in there. Um, yeah. I mean, I live in cash a little bit because some of the money that I earn is cash in hand um and so and it's (laughs) and it's really hard to spend it because most things in my life have to come out of my bank account so i'm I'm looking for ways all the time to spend cash andrew just a quick shout out to uh gail vez oxlade uh the host of tilt that do us part thank you for your nine seasons gail gail if you're listening no it was good yeah yeah and all those reruns no they're good yeah yeah they're really it's quite eye-opening right when you think about all the ways that you can cut corners and um, yeah i think yeah any new habit there's friction because human nature is to avoid what's uncomfortable but if you push past that you know, initial discomfort, you'll find strategies. And within strategies, we have plans. And within plans, we have outcomes. And that's usually what people want. So I think if you think you want to do it, talk to Nicola, number one. Um, but number two, think of a strategy. And usually we find comfort in strategy because that's where the habits lie. And that's where we gain some confidence. Yeah. And, and the, the last workshop of my course is strategy planning. I don't just leave people to go off and, and work it out by themselves because they do just kind of float away a little bit. If I, the first course, I didn't have that quite locked down and now I do. There you go. Course iteration. Beautiful. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Leo's not here. 
but he always likes to ask this as a final question. So I'll ask you. I hope it's not as hard as the three, two, one question. Well, yeah. right. well, <laughs> it's a doozy. It's a, okay. <laughs> if you could have a billboard anywhere in the world for free, so word count doesn't matter, uh, that could say anything, what would it say? So hard. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, make your money work harder than you are. Nice. I like that. That's, That's really good. good. All right. It's a mic drop moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nicola Prentice, the Chilled Investor. Uh, check out the course and all the info on what she's doing. Chilledinvestor.com. Link is in the show notes below in the description and everywhere where you're listening to this Spotify, Apple on our website, wherever the case may be, or maybe on YouTube if you're watching the video version. Uh, Nicola, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.